In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Our Father, we thank you for today. Lord, we know that something good is already prepared for us. And we open our hearts and say, Lord, reveal that thing to us in the name of Jesus. We receive the spirit of wisdom. We receive understanding. We receive insight. We receive knowledge in the name of Jesus. Therefore, we declare as follows. One, two, let's go. I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding as a result of it. And walking in a manner worthy of the Lord and pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I climb my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It's healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 I said amen. Amen. Can you just turn to three, four, five people and tell the person, welcome to another time of refreshing. Remind the person you are very wise. You have made the right choice today. Even if you were forced to come, it's good you agree to be forced. <laughs> you are very wise. And God's wisdom will speak for you. Bless the person. Say, God's wisdom will speak for you. In the name of Jesus Christ. All right, let's take our seats. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Now, let's, let's open our Bibles. That's what I've come to do. Study the scriptures. So, you should read it. Of course, I don't need to tell you where we are going to read. That's what we've been reading for some time. And that's the book of Revelations, chapter 3. Now, just go on to the last portion. I, I'm hoping that we'll conclude. Well, it is likely we'll conclude this today. Let's see what happens. If, it, if we don't conclude it, then we'll finish it next time. Let's start from verse 7. I am reading from the New American Standard Bible. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write, He who is holy, who is true, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens, says this. Notice that he opens a door, nobody closes it. If he shuts the door, nobody opens it. And that Lord is saying, I know your deeds, behold, I have put before you an open door which no one can shut. He said, because you have a little power and have kept my word and have not denied my name. That is, this door was open to you because the little you had, you were faithful in using it. He said, behold, I will cause those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not. That is, as far as the Lord was concerned, they are not, but they lie. I will make them come and bow down at your feet and make them know that I have loved you. He said, because you have kept the word of my perseverance, I also will keep you from the hour of testing, that hour which is about to come upon the whole world, to test those who dwell on the earth. I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have so that no one will, make, will take your crown. Now you can see that. There is something that people are trying to do, and that is to take your crown. He said, he who, he who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he will not go out from it anymore. And I will write on him the name of my God, 
and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God. And I'll write on him also, he says, my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. I'll read the rest of it quickly. The message to the church in Laodicea goes like this. The amen, the faithful, and the true witness. The beginning of the creation of God says this. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing. And you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich, that is true riches, and white garments so that you, will, you may clothe yourself and that the shame of your Nakedness will not be revealed. I also buy myself to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those who I love, I reprove and discipline. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and will dine with him and he with me. He who overcomes... I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Now, that's the end of the letters. That's where that is to the churches. At the risk of repeating myself too many times, I will say it again. Peter said, I know you know these things, but I will not neglect to remind you of them. Repetition causes us to be established. It causes us to be firm in the things that we know. If you hear them again and again. All right? For that reason, I will repeat what I have said before. Now, what am I saying? These letters are not to churches, actually. They are to everybody. And that's why it keeps on saying, he who has an ear, let him hear. I believe that in divine providence... He has allowed those churches to experience those things so that we can document these corrections. Each correction to each church is for each individual. Take it, look at it, correct your life. Remember, we said that we must judge ourselves so that God will not have to do that for us. The easiest way to live is to correct yourself. The more you learn, the more you personally correct yourself, the less you suffer in life. The reason why God passes Christians through sufferings is to purify them. The reason why he passes them through trials and temptations is to make them clean, remove the things that are negative out of their lives. And the easiest way to remove those things, all right, is to just accept correction. Don't wait for experiences to teach you. If you can listen, sometimes it is hard, but try. Pray with the word. Pray until you are corrected. Psalm 119 we have been looking at. Sit that psalm and go through it line by line. Make sure you are always diligently applying the precepts of God to your life. Make sure you are always striving. Now, let me emphasize this. It's effort. It's not just I've heard the message. It is okay. I hear the message. I check my life. My life did not fully fulfill what I heard. Then I start praying until my life is totally conformed with what I heard. 
It's not the first time I hear that I should behave in a particular way that I will find myself easily doing that. But I put in the effort. It's important you understand this. I put in the effort until I find myself working properly. That is the difference. I want to digress. Reverend Okimuti, I want to digress. That is the difference between a true believer and what the Bible calls a sinner. In the Jewish mentality, the person they call a sinner, you know, when Jesus will come, you say Jesus is dining with sinners. Are you getting my point? Uh-huh. Were they not all sinners? They were all sinners, but there's a reason why they were saying these other people are sinners. This is a simple difference. I'm going to apply it to us as believers now. But for the Jews, the Pharisees that time, anybody who just rejects the laws of Moses, they called a sinner. They knew they were not perfect. But at least they, either hypocritically or truly, had respect for the law, and they were doing what they could, all right, to fulfill the law. Okay, some were Pharisees, some were Sadducees, some were scribes, but they were trying doing what they could. But some people were just blatant. On Sunday, on, on Sabbath, the Sabbath day, they opened their shop. <laughs> you get my point? So the other Jews, we called them sinners. Because on Sabbath day, you're not supposed to do anything. So when they had total disregard for what Moses spoke about, they called those people sinners. Now, back to our, let's just apply that to Christianity now. Is it that Christians don't commit any sins? They do. Christians make a lot of mistakes. Christians do things that are wrong. Christians have been known to kill people, and then they die too, and everybody goes to heaven. The person they kill, they them better that kill the person. God will set, sort them out when they get to the other end. <laughs> I'm not joking. I don't think I'm joking. Don't think that every little sin you commit, God will just throw you to hellfire. God is not looking for who to discard. You must understand that. He's not looking for who to discard. That's why sometimes this issue of um, grace, I I think we'll get to grace later. So let me not finish preaching the whole message now. That's why Christians sometimes find it hard to balance things. They find it very hard. So he tells me, I was listening to one man who I like so much. By the time I finished listening to him yesterday, I realized that every Christian will go to hell. Every single one. Me, Akimuti is next. All of us. Our wives will follow us, you know. All of us will be roasting together in hell. By what that man preached. By what he preached to. I just realized that I'm dead. And now, you know. <laughs> it's not that I realized how we used to live when I was in secondary school. The days of holiness, SU, deeper life, all those kind of things. You are afraid. One of our sisters, the daddy were talking. She grew up in a deeper life home. I said, why do you leave? He said, oh God, those people tortured me. He said, it was torture. I've been there. The one that you wake up in the morning, they say, fracture happens now. Are you sure you are going? You know, you start wondering, how can I go? All the bad thoughts I thought yesterday, I've not had time to confess it. And Jesus can just come like what? what? A thief in the night. <clears throat> I'm going all hellfire straight. One man came and said, you think you are too plenty to go to hell? The Bible says hell will enlarge his mouth. <laughs> I couldn't understand how he derived that doctrine. That we were thinking that hell won't take all of us. That hell needed to enlarge his mouth. Later I realized that he read the scripture. I felt like using it to mind him. To come and scare all of us. One man was preaching one day. He said, there's a little thing to go to hell. Ha! Waiting. So one day, that's another man. He preached. He said that one woman, very good Christian all her life, she went to market, she went and fought. 
And she left the market. She wanted to cross the road. A car knocked her down and she died. She said, do you know what happened? She went to hell. I said, oh God, God is not like that. God, they show mercy. He doesn't deal with us according to the multitude of our transgressions. You think he's just looking for who to sell to hell? He will enjoy heaven by himself. <laughs> no, if that's the case, only him, he's Jesus Christ and his angels. Why did he make us in heaven? Because Adam is going to hell. Peter, James, John, all of them put together. Come on. I won't even be afraid. I said, Lord, don't worry. Peter is there. He will tell me the stories of Jesus when we get to hell. All of us, you know, the Peter is in heaven, manning the gates. The guy is cooling his heels in hellfire too. If that's how God does it. He doesn't do it like that. The basic problem, the basic problem is that, see, it's, let me put it like this. The Bible says the Lord knows those who are his. Yeah, that's the truth. You look at the heart of each person, he knows those who really love him. And he knows those who are looking for security for eternity. So they give their lives to Christ, they claim, and then start continuing in sin because they say there is once saved, always saved, eternal salvation. God said those are the kind of people I'm looking to use for firewood in hellfire. I will roast them and enjoy doing it too because they don't love the Lord. True believers can make their mistakes. They can sin. That is where, you see, that's where the confession is. Don't let me preach that message too much now. We'll get to it later. That's where the confession often is. When people want to talk about eternal security, all right, once saved, always saved, they think you are saying, you know, people, Christians swing from both extremes. There's one extreme of which literally were warned those days. They told us if you wore lace, you know lace, you know what they call lace? He has holes. God will catch you, send you to hellfire. Let's not talk about any wrong thought you have. If you don't forgive somebody, you have gone to hell. You are owing somebody, you are going to hell. You are born again, you are still selling cigarettes. Let me tell you, you will die and go to hell. This was what my preacher said when I was in NYC. Sat in his church that day after one hour of listening to the man preach. I thought I was being drowned. So you are born again, you are still abusing your husband. Let me tell you, you will die and go to hell. Every, the whole day spent the time telling us we will die and go to hell. No problem. After the service, the boy who invited me there said, I hope you enjoyed the message. I said, yeah, 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 yeah. In my mind, you are not serious. You are, a pastor, you are your pastor. If I come back here, kill me and send me to hell. <laughs> How thing is that? <laughs> in fact, the truth, by the time that pastor was done, even he was going to die and go to hell. <laughs> it was clear. <laughs> That's one extreme. But let me say this. Please go and read my tract. Who is going to hell? I discussed it inside there. True believers, true. The word is what? True. True believers, they will not go to hell. They just can't. They just can't. It's too difficult. The word is what? True. What I preach to people is that many people are false believers. And they think they are true believers. And that's why they will walk up to Jesus in the last day and say, Did you not cast out demons in your name? They thought they were true believers, but they were false. And James said, how do I know a true believer? Is somebody whose faith is alive. I check his works. So we find, now, that's the issue. So I now on to the other extreme. I said, it doesn't matter. We are not saved by our works. We are saved by grace. So no matter what we are doing, we are still saved. So they continue what they are doing, which is a sign that they don't love the Lord. But they are deceived that they are saved. That's what the problem is. Is getting the balance that's the issue. What is the balance? One, we love the Lord. 
We hate iniquity. You know, you want to wrestle a pig. Somebody said that, you know, if you realize that you shouldn't, some people are talking against him, you now realize that answering them is like fighting a pig in the mud. You think you are fighting. You don't know the pig is enjoying the whole thing. You are getting what I'm saying here? For Christians, that's what I'm coming to. Believers, do they make mistakes? Do they fall into the mud? Yes, they do. But because they are not pigs, as soon as they hit the mud, what happens? They jump out. They don't say that the Lord knows, the Lord knows we can't keep out of the mud. Mud is part of life. So they come for Bible study. Ah, Reverend Okemute, why is your suit full of mud and your trousers full of mud? Pastor, please preach your message. You know we can't stay out of the mud. There's mud all around. Told another person, why are you, why are you muddy, muddy like this? Being muddy is a Nigerian factor. So, Pastor, just preach your message. You know, after a while, you start wondering whether this guy is okay. So is it with any Christian that starts saying, starts giving excuses for iniquity. You are getting the point? Yes, sir. That you can be excusing it. For me, it's a sign you are not saved. That's for me, it's a sign. That is a sign. That is a sign. Because through salvation, you don't even want to talk about it. I didn't get my point. If that thing comes up, it's like, oh, God, help me. Yeah, you get my point? What do I do? I had my bus. I was, I was coming. I washed my clothes. It was one car that was that splashed the mud. You know, you are uncomfortable. I, I will see that you have poured water on your cloth, try to clean up the mud. Not coming, sit down in front, wave a muddy suit on your neighbors, say, oh, mud unto you. You know that kind of thing. Everybody enjoy the mud. Please, I hope you are getting my point here. Well, I want to emphasize. So, true believers, we are always, we're not talking about we are perfect. Every day we are taking the word and always trying. You know, our goal, our goal is perfection. Sinless, literal, sinless perfection. It's our goal. So that if we, even things that we thought were okay, the moment we hear is not pleasing to God. Ah, what? And I've done this over the last few weeks. Like somebody's been disturbing you. You answer the call. You make him a promise you know you are, you are not planning to fulfill. So why do you do that? He must be disturbing me. Now you now know that it is very, very, very displeasing to the Lord. Instantly you start hearing God. And I've been talking like that for the last two years. He, he, Lord, I'm sorry. Next day, you stop. Things that people even think are mundane for you, they are very serious. Why? Your desire is to be pleasing to the Lord. That is the difference between when a, a Christian commits sin and when a sinner is pretending that he's born again. We'll talk about that more later. Like I said, I'm just trying to, that was a digression, trying to emphasize something again. That what he says to one, he says to all. He's saying to us individually, go through all of these things. Now, let me just point out something out again. You see, you see each time he will say to him that overcomes... I will do this. To him that overcomes, I will do this. Not to the church that overcomes. Please bear, bear that in mind. It's not a church sin. It's an individual thing. You can be in a church where everybody is you know, laudesic. That's a word from 
Laodicea, and yet you are purely Smyrnic, you know. You understand? And you are Philadelphic. Everything is good with you, but you are in a church that other people are not behaving properly. I'm just going to emphasize to us that each person must overcome. Each person must overcome. Last time I explained that many of the promises that we brag on are delivered, even though they are there for us to look up to, but they are delivered to us as a result of overcoming. Another thing I should point out again, you see, in almost all of them, this is what I've been noticing, in almost all of them, what the Lord is doing is saying, if you overcome, I will give you authority to share with me. Do you get my point here? You will see the one we've read here. He said he will, let's just look at this last one. The one in the church in um, Philadelphia now. He said, he overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Who is a pillar? Don't forget when Paul was writing, he talked about the fact that he was, he was not even afraid of Peter and Co., even though they were the pillars. Are you getting my point? Those are the people that held authority in the church. That, those are the pillars. He said, I will make the fellow a pillar in the temple of my God. I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Then if you see the one he said to the church in Laodicea also, if the man overcomes, see what he said, I will grant him to sit down with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He was talking about authority again. We saw the fact that those that have, who walk with him, who walk with him in white, all right? They are the ones he has given authority to. Before that, we saw the people that he said they will receive a white stone, which nobody knows but the fellow who has it. That is a white stone with a new name written on it. We already explained that that's also authority. That is, God is looking for, or Jesus is looking for people who will carry his authority literally on the earth. Not just because they put up their hands and gave their, supposedly gave their lives to Christ, it's because every day they are overcoming. Let me say this to us again. Every day there is something to overcome. You will see that each of these churches had different things to overcome. Now today we are looking at this church in Philadelphia. In their own, in their own situation, there was something that looked easy, but was also as important for them to overcome. What do I mean? The Lord didn't have anything to say wrong about them. If you look at that church in Philadelphia, what did he say to them? He said, I've put before you an open door. Why? You had a little power, but you used it so well in keeping my word. And you'll notice something as we go on there. That is the reason why the little energy, the first energy God gave us is to use to keep his word. When we do that, grace follows, flows into our lives to do greater things. Please bear that in mind. He said that you have little power. You used it very well. You kept my word. You did not deny my name. All right? And he told them things that he was going to do for them. He now said... Because, verse 10, because you have kept the word of my perseverance. That is, these people were adherent to God's word. Nothing negative. He still said they had to overcome. What are they overcoming when they've already overcome everything? <laughs> there was one last thing to overcome. Look at what he said. Hold fast to that which you have already. Which verse is that? Verse 11. He said, I'm coming quickly. Hold fast to what you have so that no one will take your crown from you. Now, please bear that in mind. Even when it seems that everything is okay, it's still an effort for you to retain that which is okay. You are getting my point. That is, there is something to overcome every day. And that's what Christianity is. It's an overcoming life. 
which means there will be challenges. You know, God made all of us. He placed us in different places. There are those who said, okay, you grew up in Europe. You grew up in Africa, different parts of Africa. You grew up in North America. Grew up in South America. You work in this particular profession. You be a preacher. You go to that profession. You be a civil servant. And then what we do a lot of times is that we sit down and start complaining about the problems in the places where we are in. Nigerians complain that they run to America. Americans complain and run to Europe. I hope you know that's a matter of fact. Once I read that Tina Turner came to return her American passport. No, no, no. Do you hear what I said? When I was a young chap those days, Tina Turner was one of those reigning American musicians. She's 70-something now. A few years ago, she lives in Switzerland. She's married to a white Swiss man. Very rich woman. Maybe her husband is very rich. I don't know. But one day she came to return her American passport. She said, I don't tire to be an American. Yes, you wonder why. Her reason is because she had to do tax returns every year, even though she wasn't living in the U.S. And that's American law. I've gotten mails from my bank. They sent a letter out to all their customers on American law. So in case you're an American citizen living in Nigeria, please, this is what Americans want us to tell you. I said, now, wow. That includes, if you have their green card, you are a legal resident, but you are not living in Nigeria. You still have to give them their tax returns every year, including money you earn in Nigeria. Oh, yes. <laughs> including the money you earn in Nigeria. You, you think to just be an American, I just... <laughs> so that was, that was the reason why Tinatona got up one day. And this, she's a very rich person, so... Every year I'm filing tax returns. So, well, I hereby renounce my American citizenship. I can imagine some Nigerians I say, Madam, post and come here. <laughs> but they also have complaints. That's what I'm making. And sometimes they literally run. So I'm tired of leaving this country and moving to another country. So don't think you are the only one running. Everybody runs. There's nobody that's happy where they are. Some of the countries that are said to be the most prosperous countries have the highest suicide rates. Everything is okay, except that the people commit suicide. Those are the countries that ISIS will go to and go and recruit suicide bombers. Why? Everything is okay. People wake up in the morning, there's no problem. You don't know pothole is a blessing. It gives you purpose for 24 hours. It gives you focus. When you don't have power, when they've come to remove your wire, <laughs> you know, you at least for the next two days, you have something to wake up to go and solve. Then when you are done with that, you settle down. You, enjoy, you now enjoy the power for one week. You now realize that rain has stopped and there's no water. Purpose for another four days. <laughs> so you go to work in the morning as you are arriving. You already wonder, how do I get water? We've called one tanker man, called one, one, one Adamawa guy to come and start digging a well. That's purpose. So sometimes some people don't have all of these things. You know, there are times I'm talking with my wife, maybe I'm complaining about something somebody is doing. She'll tell me. Relax. You know your problem? I say what? You already found what to do with your life. The other man doesn't have any. So he has to invent something. The day she told me that thing, I finally calmed down. I'm not fully calm, but... <laughs> 
Now, what am I trying to emphasize? Every day there's something to overcome. And how you are overcoming the challenges of each day, God is calling you based on, on that. He's calling that. So people overcome their challenges by stealing. The very common one, you just go there, bypass EDC meter. It's theft. You're a thief. You don't know that. There are different kinds of challenges. There are people that just, this is a God-given assignment. They abandon it. Go somewhere else. That is their demas way of overcoming that particular challenge. I'm going to emphasize to us that, you see, there are challenges in life. Each person with his own peculiar challenges. The message is that there is something to overcome every day. It's on the basis of that overcoming that we actually qualify for what God wants us to be in life. That's why James said it like this. James said, beloved, count it what? All joy. joy When you fall into diverse trials. Because James understood that this is how God lifts you up. This is how God lifts you up. If things are always going the way you want it, you're not being promoted. Your, your office hasn't declared, you know, they've not called you for promotion interview for a long time. That's what's happening. That's everything just going the way you like it. It is not a sign that you have faith. People think it's a sign that they have faith. That everything just going perfectly. No troubles, no opposition. Before opposition arises, they've killed, it by, killed the opposition by fire by fire. Before they lack money, they prophesied. They prophesied and money has come. Before anything goes on, everything just working smoothly. Listen to me, my brethren. It's a sign that there's no promotion exam in your office. Anytime something, anytime there's promotion, that promotion is required. When somebody has to be elevated from the post of assistant director to deputy director, there has to be an examination. The examination shows up as challenges. And let me say this another thing to you. If you are waiting for one big trouble, if you are waiting for one big trouble, you will miss it. I went to preach once, talked about what I ended up writing later in the book, titled um, Beyond Gifts and Talents. I talked about the fact that everybody in life will have Delilah come to them. That Delilah is not a woman. Delilah is a spirit. Delilah came to Samson as that woman, Delilah. Delilah will come to a man like David as maybe Joab's temptation. You may not realize it. Let us kill Saul. That's Delilah. And Delilah comes again and again and again. What you must understand that Delilah is not a woman, is a spirit. So that spirit can also come to a woman. And what, what, what does Delilah do? He tries to take away your crown. You see it in, in, in for that church in Philadelphia here. He tries to take away the crown. So that day, that young man asked me. Of course, was, I, was, I was going to answer questions. What was his question? He said, how do I know my Delilah? He wrote his question. How do I know my Delilah? And my answer, is still my answer today, of course, is that you don't need to know Delilah. Like until I said it now, many of us did not realize that Joab at a point in time was Delilah to David. We did not realize that Peter was Delilah to the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody that wants to take away your crown. Now, Peter did not know that's what he was doing, but Satan possessed him to speak in such a manner as to derail the Lord Jesus from the purpose of the Father for his life. So he had to rebuke him, and he said, get behind me, Satan. What am I going to say? So that day I told that young man, don't worry about it. Continue to live a life of righteousness. 
build up your spiritual strength, which was what I wrote in the book, Beyond, uh, Beyond Gifts and Talents. That many people, they waste their spiritual strength. So that Delilah is not the problem, actually. It's the strength that is lost, that's been, that, that's been weakened before that day. Because Delilah comes to everybody every day. Many times it's small things, not the big things. Many people are waiting for when they will have to resist a big temptation. They don't realize that it's the little temptations that the Lord is, or is part of what the Lord is using. How God judges things you really don't know. I keep on saying to Christians, when, they keep on te- when people start telling you, listen, I will say it until you believe it. I will say it until the word fills the air. And many pastors will not know why nobody is responding to them. They will not find that Banky has been preaching to these people. I will say it until people believe it. And they will tell you that, come and do this so you can get an immediate reward. Don't believe it. God really doesn't pay attention to those things. Uh, the widow of Zarephath gave one meal, her last meal. Today you are going to give God something that is last in your life. Uh, the money you have saved for five years, uh, you are going to give to the Lord today. Uh, and by tomorrow, nothing will happen tomorrow. <laughs> Believe me, nothing will happen tomorrow. Do you know why? Because one question you must always ask yourself is, did the widow go around looking for somebody to perform a miracle for her? The answer is no. It was Elijah that came looking for the widow. So the question, therefore, is why did Elijah come looking for the widow? Simply because the widow had done other things before that did not include this day's giving of the last meal. She had probably, probably given a quarter of her meal to a young man who was not a prophet. She probably had given one of the two, you know, uh, cover cloths that she had to a stranger who was not a prophet. And those were the things that made Elijah leave where he was to travel, come looking for the widow. So it would be wrong of me to come to church and tell people that have never given anything to anybody to do one, la- one miraculous thing. Listen, most of the times the guy preaching it is not interested in your miracle. Is interested in what he's going to gather that day. That is a fact of life. What am I emphasizing? Many times, before we are waiting to go and give our last meal to Elijah, Elijah shows up every day in different forms. That spirit is there. It's there. So they came to Jesus. When did we see you and refuse to help you? They did not know. Some said, when did we see you and we helped you? They were not aware. And he was rewarding one set and punishing another for things they did not know they did. That's one thing I want to emphasize to believers. So listen, this targeted righteousness we do is odious in the nose of the Lord, the nostrils of the Lord. He doesn't like it. What I call targeted righteousness. When I do this, I get this. If I want this, I do this one. That one doesn't work. You know why? The day the Lord is checking, you don't know. The Lord is a good examiner when it comes to continuous assessment. Yes. That is his major... Look, with the Lord, eh? continuous assessment is 95% of the total score. Continuous assessment, no warning. He teaches, he gives you the... And that's another thing about him. He tells you, when you see this question like this, this is the answer. He always does that. Then he now says, all right. Anytime you hear X plus Y, remember it means Z. You understand what I said? Yes. You, what did I say is X, X plus Y? 
He said, huh? <laughs> you don't realize you have failed. You thought he was joking. You were not paying attention. You were in class, but you had your mobile phone, smartphone under the table, and you were chatting with somebody. And he kept on saying, pay attention. Wisdom is in the streets. It's shouting. But people are there, busy, chatting away. The Lord always gives out his questions. Every time you give out the question, give you the answer. Is whether you will remember to give him the answer he asked for, or you decide the answer you think is better. That second one is half of the problem. That, look, listen. Let's talk. Talking about challenges every day. There's always something to overcome. The Lord always gives his questions and gives his answers. You've heard me say this before. When they said to Solomon, the Lord came and said to Solomon, ask me for anything I'm going to do for you. Solomon asked the Lord, answered the Lord, give me wisdom. It looked like, ah, thank God he asked for wisdom. But go and read Solomon very well. Solomon said, my father had warned me. My father had taught, I told you before, Proverbs 1 to 8. Is Solomon remembering the things he was taught as a little boy. Bollinger believes, well, he has the Bible, the companion Bible, that David set up his school to educate Solomon in wisdom. I think what happened was that Solomon, David, in his old age, realized that he had made a mess of child rearing. I don't need to tell you where his problem began from. When your first five sons are born by five different women, you know you have a problem. First five sons, five different women. None of the women had the chance to have two children before the other one had, had to have two sons before another one had. First five sons, five totally different women. Some of those women had girls though. So, by the time he was having ten children, he already had, you don't know, you think it's Solomon that started many wives? David had many. He made a mess of it. The Lord helped him to realize it as an old man. When events happened and Solomon came into his life, you know the story about that. Let's not get into that. He realized that my dynasty has come to an end if I don't make it with this one. So what do we do? They told him, you have to teach this one. So that's why Bollinger believes that he organized a school. And Solomon was instructed from childhood on how to be a king. His own story was not Absalom's story. Not Amnon's story. Amnon's story was chasing all the girls in town. The number of girls Amnon slept with, only God can count. Amnon. That guy was a goat. A he-goat, just for emphasis. And so David said, this must not happen with, with Solomon. So he was taught from the time he was young. And those were the things that he now wrote down later. Wisdom is the principal thing, was not Solomon's idea. Therefore, get wisdom. It was what David told him. What was the school of the wise men that David gathered around Solomon told him? With all that exalt her, she shall promote you. He was taught that thing. So by the time God came and said, ask me for anything that I will give you, Solomon had his answer ready. Why? The Lord had prepared the answer for him. God doesn't need intelligent people. He needs obedient people. Don't tell me something I don't know. God doesn't want. 
He comes and says, okay, what do I do for you? His own is that, okay, the things you have been taught, will you believe them or you are going to come up with your own idea? Because Solomon's son came up with that idea. When it was Rehoboam's time, what did he do? They gave him sound counsel, he threw it away. So don't think that it was not a fair deal. It was. Many people have been taught. They also, they just reject in the time of counsel, in the time of examination. God always, believe me, he always gives out his questions and his answers long ahead. The day of exam, he's just saying, will you agree to give me the answer that I gave you? And that's where we miss it. You see this church in Philadelphia. The Lord Jesus told them, hold fast to what you have so that people will not take it away from you. You have a crown. They want to take your crown. People want to take your crown. What happened? How, how did um, Esau lose his crown? Somebody offered him money. How did Adam and Eve lose their crown? Temptation came and they fell for it. People reject the answer of God all the time. Take somebody like Adam. The answer was clear. Eve, the answer was clear. Day of temptation, this fruit, should you eat it? No. Are you going to eat it? Yes. No, that was the test. No. What happened to Eve that they were not warned about? God said clearly, listen, he never told them. Now, notice, let me tell you something about the Lord. Did you notice that he never told them, don't eat the sand on the ground? Did he tell them, don't eat the sand? He never told them, see these trees, eat only the fruit, leave the back alone. Don't peel the back and chew it. I leave that one for Oshaheba later. Right now, <laughs> he didn't tell them anything like that. You eat the, the fruit later. No, the root. He didn't tell them. I don't want anybody. No. And do you know what? Adam did not eat the grass. That's the, the soil. He did not eat the bark of trees. You see, what are you talking about, this preacher? What I'm saying is this. By the time God said, don't eat that fruit, you know what it means? The fruit will be inviting. There was no, that it was a warning ahead. The question will come all the time. Eat me, eat me, eat me. This is the answer. No, no, no. The day you eat of it, that day you will die. The answer was clear. And that's why I always say it this way. Temptations are called temptations simply because they are tempting. Simply because they are tempting. If they were not tempting, they wouldn't be called temptations. And that's what I mean by God always gives his answers. God always gives his, there is no, there's no trouble in life that he has not taught us the answer to give. There is none. Just that the problem that when the, when the time comes, somewhere like if, if we look and say, I will know, like I told you, God doesn't like intelligent people. Somewhere like Adam will come and start reasoning. If we start with, um, the, the tree actually looks good though. You know, somebody's telling her that. It actually looks good. It might make somebody wise. Do you know the truth? God never said, don't make you wise. God did not say, this fruit is ugly. See this tree? <laughs> this tree you are seeing here is very ugly. It doesn't look nice to the eyes. It is very, very ugly. Those things were not the points of discussion. It was just one thing. Don't eat it. And the day you eat it, you will die. 
Once the discussion came into it, you were becoming too intelligent. We are becoming too intelligent. And it gets to that point, that's when we start disobeying. What am I going to emphasize here? You find that in life, there are things to overcome every day. And the questions that we'll have to overcome, God has already told us ahead of time and given us the answer. When Solomon pleased God, it was not because he was so intelligent, he knew what to ask. He had been taught since he was a little child for more than 10 years. The importance of wisdom had been pumped into that little boy's head. I did to say for more than 15 years. I don't know how old he was when he picked up the throne. But from the time he knew to know anything, before he knew anything, they were already telling him, wisdom, wisdom. His heart had been prepared. So God said, all right, what do you want? You know what some people say? Those old men are old school. You know, my father gave it to me when he was 70. What did you expect him to think? A man must make it in this life. Wisdom, wisdom, wisdom. Is that going to establish me as a king? Lord, give me warriors. Kill all those my enemies. Finish them. Lord, they will die by fire. They will some assault and scatter. Why? What are, what are you doing with wisdom? wisdom? Does wisdom put food on the table? Wisdom, wisdom. One of those men teaching us wisdom. My, my, my father pays his house rent. Could he pay with house rent? <laughs> no, that's how, Satan, that's how Satan helps people to disobey. So your father said it like this, you'll do like this. The man retired, he's still going to Abuja to go and do my life. <laughs> oh, some of them do the middle of my life. Government does that periodically for pensioners. Because otherwise, some people will die, the family will be collecting their pension for the next 10 years. There are a lot of people that they died like 15 years ago. Government is still paying them pension till today. All over the world, not only Nigeria, that's how people do. So, so periodically, <laughs> what are you laughing? Ghost workers. Go, go, okay, thank you. And those are literal ghost pensioners. You know, there's ghost worker. He never existed. A ghost pensioner is literally a ghost. <laughs> so periodically, government does that. So the young man is still saying that, uh, other than my father is saying, if not so, they think they work. Why is this he doing in my life? The damn good they do in my life. People are showing them good they are alive. <laughs> now, that, that's, no, listen, that is how Satan takes people away. He will sit you down and show you that with all that wisdom your father was talking about. What does he have to show for it? That's why I don't like all this. Some people say that uh, you have to show, show results. Show results. Believe me, Christians forget results. Obey the word. If it doesn't work, die with it. It's good like that. And then write on your grave. This man died trusting the word of God and it did not work for him. Praise God. Leave it like that. God will collect his glory. He knows when to collect his glory. Don't worry about it. He knows what he's doing. I've ever said before, look, look your, your church members want to see the result. You are preaching prosperity. They want to see it on you. We used to believe that those things those days. I was, do you know I used to believe such things? I'm, I'm, I'm looking back now and I'm ashamed of myself. That I used to believe such things. And the, the Bible said it clearly. Paul said, we are poor, but we are making many people rich. I know we used to say ignorant things. If not, so he get power. Why is he sitting in the village? Because he knows spiritual things. He knows money is empty. That's why. For him, he's nothing. You are the fool. He knows he's nothing. And he's not willing to make the sacrifices he's demanding of you. He tells you, give me the picture of your first son or your wife. I kill them, you become rich. He doesn't want to kill his son. He's been in the village. is not proof that his power is not working. Go and ask the big men who have used their power. 
you will know their power works. And the man doesn't want what you are looking for. He has gone into the realm of the spirit. He knows everything is empty. 